This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. So thankful to see you in God's house today. Well, I have been, as you can tell by my voice, preaching my heart out this morning. I preached my heart out yesterday. But I promise you that if you came for a word, I'm going to do my best to give you a word. How many came for a word this morning? Amen? I don't know. I was literally sitting there. Uh, I mean, I, I've been so excited to bring different words to you through the years. But uh, I, there, I preached a message uh, about 26 years ago called The Green Tree. It is one of my favorite messages that I've ever preached. And uh, I was I was sitting there uh, or standing there for just a moment this morning. And I thought, I don't know that I have been as excited about a message as I since then. In 26 years, as I am about the message that I'm about to preach to you. I pray that today you'll receive it, receive it from the, uh, the heart that I hope to bring it to you. And uh, 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 that uh, you got your papers on the way. And you get your papers? This is not a test. Look, Sunday after Easter, how I many you know there's a lot easier to find seats this week than last week? All right, it's, it's always one of the lower Sundays of the year. You got a smiley face for just making it to church. Come on, amen. And so you made an A, but we, you need this paper. If you didn't get one, uh, they're available at the doors, but this is so important. Uh, I'm going to teach you something that I had never seen before. I had never seen before, and uh, actually uh, one of the young men uh, shared with me uh, uh, just a thought on this, and, and I said, let me go look that up, and uh, uh, it started me down a long study uh, path. Let's bow our heads for just a moment today. God, we've come here today to seek your face, to seek your presence, to see you. Lord, let us see you. I want, I want somebody to pray that with me. Lord, let me see you. Lord, let me see you in the beauty of your holiness. Let me see you in the revelation of who you are in my life. For Father, when I see you, everything changes. Too many times I see a cardboard cutout of who I want you to be, God, and I don't see who you really are. Reveal yourself to us now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This past week when this was spoken to me, I had intentions of preaching something else, and I started studying this, and it grabbed the heart of, uh, the, a hold of my heart so much that uh, I, I found this revelation, that, and, and, you know, I, I want to give it to you. Um, you know, it's sort of like when you unload a, a stack of firewood uh, from your truck. You call, the, you, you know, the kids out or whoever it is there, and 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 you say, all right, we'll get ready, and and I will hand you and 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 the young men in in my life always go, uh, give me more, give me more, and so I'll put another one on there. How many of you realize the older you get, the wiser you get, and realize a few more trips is better than breaking your back? Come on, amen. And so they want more, and they want to you know flex a little bit and give me more. And so I'm always adding more to them, and they're they're seeing who can carry the most and. 
I mean, it's like this unwritten competition. And, 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 and a lot of times that's the way I used to preach. I would try to put a little bit more on you. Just a little bit deeper, just a little bit more. And, and, and I realized that, that for the majority of us, what we needed was less firewood and more big red. I remember big red chewing gum. Anybody remember big red chewing gum? Yeah. What I needed was to give you something to chew on for a while that could keep its flavor. I needed to give you something to ponder and let it become part of who you are so that upon thy word, O Lord, I will meditate day and night so that I might become like a tree planted by the waters, according to the book of Psalms, chapter 1. And so that was more my goal, to give you something to chew on. But today, I'm not giving you a little bit more. I'm just, you know, what I found is this. When, when they go, give me more, give me more, the next time they come back, I put a big log in their arms. I don't, I want to see if they're still going to ask for more. Dylan's looking at me and going, I can handle two big logs. And come on, amen. All right. But as you're asking for more, I get that. But today, what it's going to seem like, this is something so deep and so big. But if you'll just stay with me. It's worth the journey. It's worth it because I want to show you something that literally brought the last service out of their chairs to these altars, worshiping God. It brought a man to the altar in the first service, an older gentleman, tears streaming down his face, saying, I never knew that Jesus was God. I want to teach you something today that I've never seen before. I'd like to think it was some new revelation, but, but yesterday I was preaching a conference, and as I was preaching this conference, uh, it was in between speakers. I'm trying to get my thought together, and, and, and so I thought, you know what, they were, they, were, they were singing and getting set up for the next speaker, and I, I thought, I'm just going to go through a walk through the vendors, meet the vendors, be kind, you know, greet some of them, see what they have out here. And, and so I, I came out around the, the corner of this conference, uh, uh, this door, and, and the very first person I run into is uh, an Israeli. And he is uh, a, a Jewish jeweler, and, and he's sitting there. And and I, and I just, you know, I, uh, for, I've always found that if if you want to if you want to make connection with somebody, I mean, you talk to them about the food of their homeland. You, you know what I'm talking about? You talk to them about what they like to eat, and, and you meet somebody from West Virginia. You talk about a pepperoni roll, or or you meet somebody from 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 New York, and you talk about the water of New York that makes the pizza. Come on now, can I get an amen from anybody? So much better. No, no pizza lovers in here? Have you ever had pizza in New York? Can I get an amen from anybody? Amen. Ah, oh, pie, a pie, a pizza pie. All right. Yeah. And so we've got this. You talk about their food, or, or when I'm in, maybe with the Spanish culture, I'll talk about the different uh, uh, tamales that I'll find in different places. Or uh, in Honduras, we have this this breakfast food. Uh, uh, we call it baleadas, which means bullets, and it's just a quick breakfast food that man, I still long for those. And and, and just you know, you or I'll say the el mejor uh, uh, tacos, uh, taquitos uh, in the uh, todo uh, mundo es in Ensenada, Baja California. And, and, and so, uh, and I just say basically the best tacos in the whole world are out there in Baja, California. But it gets them. So I look at this Israeli Jewish brother and I say, I say, right at the Jaffa Gate, third floor of the mall, there's this amazing Italian restaurant. And he looks at me like I am stupid. He said, you come all the way to Jerusalem for food? 
God said, you got to eat while you're there. You can only handle so many days of buffets. Can I get an amen from anybody? All right, that's been there. And so they have all these this repetitive buffets, and, and so you want a good meal. And, and, and so we're talking for a moment, and I said, well, let me just, let me just ask you what I'm going to teach. And, and so I, I studied this when I, I, I saw it this week. I, I went and met with Ray, our resident uh, uh, rabbi, as I called him, Rabbi Ray, and, uh, uh, and met with him. And, and, and then I'm talking to this Jewish uh, uh, man, and, and I said to him what I'm going to say to you, and he goes, well, of course, I'm Jewish. I know this. And I said, so you understand it? He goes, we all understand it. You Christians don't even know your own Bibles. So I'm going to show you something I've never seen before. That I've never grasped before, but to, I love to preach the week after Easter on eight days later on Thomas. But listen to this passage. John chapter 20, verse number 24 reads like this. And I want you to learn something today. My goal is that you take something away from this day. It says, one of the 12 disciples, I'm going to need your help with this reading, but one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Jesus shows up, reveals himself to them. They see him. So they tell Thomas, the one they called the twin, they say to him, they told him, now notice this, read this with me, we have seen the Lord. How many of you know, we may not have seen him yet, but one day we shall see him face to face. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds. I had no clue what he was saying here. I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors are all locked. So they're together like we're together, but the doors in that situation are all locked down. They're sitting there, and they're wondering what their next move should be, but suddenly, as before, everybody say, as before, Jesus was standing among them, and he said, peace be to you, or peace be with you. In other words, he said, calm down. He said, then he said to Thomas, this is so important. Put your finger here and look in my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now look at how Thomas responds. It's in parentheses. I want you to say it with me. My Lord and my God. That is so significant. I had never seen the depth of that until this week. Thomas exclaimed, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. My question today is, can you see him? Can you see him for who he is? Can you see him in the beauty of his holiness? Or are things of this life causing you to have a block between a clear line of vision and the Lord. I know what that's like 
Many times my sin, my shame, my struggles, my weaknesses, my pain, the things that the, uh, the attack of the enemy in my life prevent me from seeing the Lord clearly. Now you see, I'm already a man. Because I just preached. But I want you to get this. I can see something you haven't seen yet. Have you ever imagined things one way and then you get there and you realize that it's not the way you thought it would be and it's a letdown? It's not the way you envisioned. Can I go ahead and tell you now that this sermon may not be perfect, but if you'll see the Lord the way I want to show him to you, that he's not going to ever let you down. You know, it's, it's sort of like, how many of you have ever seen a movie uh, with, the, with the Sphinx in it? How many of you have ever seen the movie with the Sphinx in it? Anybody? All right. Uh, the Sphinx in it. Uh, you know, you'll have a guy swinging along, like, on ropes across it. Uh, you don't know what I'm talking about. Let's put it on the screen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You'll see a plane go by it, and the face of it, it's about the same size as the, as the plane, or a little bit bigger. And the problem is... That's the image that the American movies try to present to us. So you get this mindset of, and when you get there, you get in this bus and you drive across this, this desert and you go through all this sand. And when you've driven through all this sand and you're ready to see this momentous statue, you get there and instead of running into this, you run into this. A letdown. You didn't see it the way it really was. You see, camera angles are a brilliant thing. Come on now, man. As a matter of fact, if you post a picture of this service, don't post it with an angle from down there up. The fat man needs you to post with an angle from up there down. Come on, amen. Camera angles can affect the way you see everything. Camera angles can make us look better. Can you know? Some of you looked at me like, I just don't know. I can't believe he'd say that. But every picture you take, you do this. Uh-huh, I found you, didn't I? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Because the way you look at it determines the reflection that people see. Can I, what I want to show you today is not a letdown. It is not a bad reflection. It is not a manipulated image. It is a reality. But you have to understand that what the disciples are going through on this eighth day past resurrection is nothing like they had expected. It didn't turn out the way they had saw it in their mind's eye. They, they envisioned him coming and setting up a force that would defeat the Romans and then take over the world and never would they have any more problems. And they had this image of him. There's a new worship song out that I absolutely love that says, wouldn't it be just like you to show up like nothing we would have expected? Because he came in, and instead of riding in and taking over with a, with a sword, he walked in and he took over with a sword of the word that came out of his mouth. It wasn't anything like they were expecting. So instead of this victory celebration they're, they're, they're hoping to see, all they can see is his bloody body hanging on a cross. Could it be that Thomas couldn't see past his last image of Jesus? 
Could it be that he couldn't see Jesus for who he really was because all he could see was the way that he had saw him die. All he could see is the pain that he had seen experienced. And I believe that some of us in this room today, we cannot see him for who he really is because all we see him for is who we, what the pain we have experienced. We look through this gaze of the struggles and the problems and the weakness that we've been through and we're trying our best to figure out how to get a clear glimpse of God. But all we can see is an abusive father. All we can see is an absent parent. All we can see is somebody who walked out on us or somebody who beat you down that should have helped you up. And you're trying to get an image of God, then you can't see him because of your pain. So I question today, how did Thomas see Jesus? Was he on a boat? Was he walking along the shore? Was he in a garden of despair? Was he hanging on a cross? You see, the way that Thomas saw Jesus almost prevented him from really seeing him. As I'm preaching to you today, I come in the power of the resurrected king to declare that some of you have never walked in the victory that Christ has for you because the things and ways that you allow yourself to see him have prevented you from seeing him as the king of glory that he really is. Now, Pastor Don, you're fired up today. Yes, I am if you haven't figured it out, but I'm not quite there yet. I got to tell you, last service, I went full T.D. Jakes on him. <laughs> then Jesus walks in to Thomas's pain, to Thomas's his blindness, and Jesus walks in, and these are the words that he says. He says to him, see my hand, see the nails. More important than I ever imagined. And the way that Thomas responds gives us a glimpse of who Jesus is in a way that I've never seen him before. Because the way that he responds, Jesus walks in and says, see the hands, see the nails, see the scars on my hands. Look at the nails and look at the, sc at the scarred hand. And he responds, not, oh, it's you, Jesus, or not my Savior, but he responds, my Lord and my To understand the significance of this, I told you here I'm here I'm about to put this this point on you. Get ready. It's 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 deep, but it's worth the dive. Say it's deep but worth the dive. Five of you think it's deep but worth the dive. Some of you say I don't know how to swim. Come on, it's deep but worth the dive. Exodus chapter three, Moses. And I'm going to go through this as fast as I can. It's out tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, who was the priest of Midian. And as he leads the flock, he goes farther into the wilderness. And he comes to the, beside the mountain of God, which is called Sinai. Verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire. And the angel of the Lord is... I'm going to show you who the angel of the Lord is in just a moment. From the middle of a bush, Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, listen to me, it didn't burn up. Some of you are so afraid that you're going to burn out, but let me just tell you that when you stay full of the oil of the Holy Ghost of the living God, you will not burn out, but you will burn brighter and brighter and brighter for His glory. Pastor Don, you don't know what I'm going through. No, you don't understand what I'm talking about. Every time I struggle, he pours in a little more. He pours in a little more. And he helps me get up and walk along the way, man. I feel it. I feel it. Come on now, man. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to him. So I thought, well, that makes sense. Wow. 
Why isn't that bush burning up? Notice what he says. I must go see it. I fear that we have presented a fire that nobody wants to see. Because it is a fire stoked with religion. It is a fire stoked with paganism. It is a fire stoked with what we can manufacture on our own. But when the holy presence of the living God shows up, people want to come and see it burn. Amen. So Moses goes, and you know the story, most of you do. Let me give it to you for those that don't. God says to him, take off your shoes. He takes off his shoes. There's the deal with his staff. It turns to a snake and then all these other stories. And, and then all of a sudden God says, I want you to go deliver my people. I want you to go deliver my people. And Moses says, but I can't even talk right. He says, well, your brother will do the talking. He's like, well, Lord, but but in verse 13, but Moses says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Now, this is what I want to teach you today. But I want to ask you, he says, God, what should I tell them? And how does God reply, Bible students? Tell me, what does God say? I am. Now you can give it. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now this is so important because this is something that I had never seen before that caused a Jewish jeweler to look at me and go, well, we all understand that. As a matter of fact, when I asked him about it, he reached over and picked up a piece of jewelry that had it on it. You can get t-shirts and jewelry with what I'm about to say to you. Now get out your papers. This is not a test, but I want to give you some revelation. What we have in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 14, is the first time that basically anybody's asked him, they've, they've taken enough time to say, and who are you? At other times, he's revealed himself to them. But in this case, he says, I am. Now the way that they wrote this, in the ancient pictograph form, which was a, a mixture of the Aramaic and Phoenician pictographs that when it would later would be translated into what we know as Hebrew today. So that's the interesting thing about Hebrew. Hebrew hasn't changed. So we have this ancient pictograph form that Moses would have written it in, and as it's translated into Hebrew, what we're realizing is this. That, that there's something more significant. There's something more. Listen to me. I said there's something what? More, more here. He reveals himself as I am. It causes this Jewish man to look at me and say, well, how do you not know that? But this is the beauty of what I'm trying to teach you. You find on your paper that there are four lines, four blanks. In those four blanks, what we are going to do is we're going to take this from the ancient text and we're going to translate it directly. This year I've been privileged to be on this Bible translation project and having read almost every English Bible from cover to cover, I, I, I've learned a lot, but I've never saw the word come alive until I had to translate it. Now listen to me. This is so important because what happens is this. We have four words used to describe two words in the English, I am. We have four words, very specific. We have Yod, we have Hey, we have Vav, and we have Hey. Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. 
This is where we get the phrase Yahweh. When you hear that in church, this is, I'm not giving you the blank yet. This is not a test. You cannot fail. And if you mess up, scratch it out. This is for your notes. This is where we get Yahweh. And later understanding is where it ultimately becomes through uh, persecution and struggles. And Ray and I had a wonderful talk about this. Uh, becomes uh, uh, Yehovah. And, and so this is where all of that roots back to. But here's what I didn't understand that a Jewish man understood. You see, he looks at God from that side of the cross. But we look at God from this side of the cross, this side of the tomb, the other side walking in victory. We see, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost as I'm about to reveal something. We don't look at him as he used to be looked at. We now look at him as our Redeemer, our Lord, and our Savior, the one who died for us, the one who rose from the dead. Has it done now? You preach it. Well, I'm trying to teach you something. Stay with me. So what we have here is four distinct words. Now, we would read it, Yod. And we would read it, hey, and then uh, we would read it again. We would have uh, yod, hey, vave, hey. But the Jewish people would not read it from light, uh, left to right. They would read it from right to left. So we're going to transverse uh, that and put it in the form that English comes out. So let's take the word that you have now on the back of your paper. You have the, the definitions of the pictographs. I want your help for just a moment today as we decipher this together. As you see, it's time for you. See, most of us, let me just tell you how frustrating it can be. Most of us want somebody to tell us what God's Word says so we can feel good off the goosebumps from their revelation. But people died. They went like Tyndale and Coverdale and these men died as they went to a, a, a burning stakes as people killed them so that you could read the gospel for yourself. And instead of just listening to some preacher tell you what the Word says, you need to learn the word for yourself. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So let me show you how to translate that word hey. And we're going to put it in the places where it would be in the English format. The word hey, according to that phrase is on the back, translates as what? Behold. Behold. It happens twice. Behold. When we read it in the order that the Jews would have read it, it happens in these positions. Behold. Blank. Behold. Blank. Now again, I'm thinking, is this possibly right? I, I'm supernaturally amazed that God brought a man from all the way from Israel to confirm this to me uh, yesterday. But listen to this. This just blows my mind. The next word that we're going to look at is we're going to look at the vav. What does vav mean? Nail. Nail. Some of you have trouble with our southern way of saying that. Peg or nail. We say nail. Come on now. All right. But we have a, a nail. Behold, nail. Some of you Bible students are already with me. Then we have one Lord left, and it's Yod. And Yod in the Hebrew translates as what? Arm or hand. Hand. So we have that how God responded when the Moses said to him, who should I say sent me? He responded, behold, nail, behold, hand. 
Now, what does that have to do with anything? To a Jewish person, what he's saying is, I am what holds it all together. I am the sure place that keeps the world in its orbit. I am the one who holds everything. I'm the God particle. I am the, I am the thing that makes it sure. To a Jewish person, they hear that he is. Do you see where I'm going with this? He hears that, that, that he's God and he's the creator of all things. And they say, Obviously, I am that I am means he's everything that we need. But to a born-again Christian on this side of the cross, what we read is, behold the nail, behold the hand. Let me just say it for you this way. Behold the nail-pierced hand that way back in Exodus, God showed up. And when he was burning in the fire and Moses said, who are you? He said, you will know me when you see the nail-pierced hand. Amen. Now you're not with me yet, but you're going to get there. Here's the beauty of it. When Jesus walks in, we read it that he says, oh, look at the nails. Uh, Let me prove to myself, to you, who I really am. He doesn't walk in trying to prove himself like some pansy to Thomas. He walks through the wall. Now that ought to be proof enough. Come on now. He walks through the wall and he walks up to him and he says, I am. And Thomas looks at him and takes one good look and says, I'll tell you who you are. You are the living God, the King of glory. You are the... I wish somebody would understand what I'm trying to tell you today, that Jesus made a way where there was no way from the beginning of time. He was... Oh, y'all afraid to act me on because of how late it is. I am not done. I have come to tell you that when he walks into your world, he's ready to walk up to you right where you are, right what you're going through, and say, you better stay with me now. They say, I am everything you need me to be. I am the one who delivers you. I am the one who rescues you. I'm the one who finds you when there seems to be no hope. And I am the one who gives you joy to death. I'm the one who causes you to rise up in victory. I'm the one. I am the one who heals you. I'm the one who found you on the backside of the desert and lifted you up to walk in power. Some of you are afraid I'm going to pick you up right now. Come on now. I am the one who chose you. I wish somebody would understand. I'm trying to tell you. Some of you go, I just don't know if that's biblical. Well, let me explain it to you. The Bible says that he was crucified from the foundations of the earth. His plan all along was that we would recognize him by the nail-pierced hands. That we would see him. I know what some of you are saying. I can't wait to get to heaven because I want to see mama. I get that. Or I want to see grandmama. I want you to know, I hope that heaven has kitchens. (laughs) I want my one grandmama to make sweet potato pie and the other one to make a chocolate cake and say, baby, we've been waiting on you to get here. Come on now. But... (laughs) I'm looking for my illiterate grandfather who taught me to love the word when he didn't know how to read it, when he grabbed the word and he held it to his chest and he said, God, put it inside of me, put it inside. I'm looking for him that when he met the word. 
I'm looking for my other grandfather who spent his life in a bottle, who thought it was fun to teach five and six year old boys about sexual things and show them pornography, who was a cruel man and abusive, but six weeks before he died, the nail scarred hands rescued him. I'm looking forward to getting to know him. I'm looking forward to figuring out what the mansions look like and the gates of gold are pure pearl and what the streets of gold look like. But what I'm really looking for is the one who ascended from his throne and put nails in his hands for you and I because he's worthy. He's holy. He's, woo, he's just and he's good. And I come to tell you, he is the soon coming King of glory. Why don't you give God a praise like he deserves? Amen. Some of you are like, I just don't know. I've never, I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard that. Well, imagine having a PhD in Bible translation and some jeweler looking at you and saying, duh. I dare say that if we would see him for who he is, we would walk more holy before him. I feel the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me in this place? See why I told you I started, I went last service, I did full TDJ, so I went, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. But you better get ready because you go, I just don't know. I just don't know who he is. I don't know which one's right. I don't know who's right. I'll tell you who's right. For 2,000 years, we've known he was right. 2,000 years before that, he said, I'll tell you exactly how you'll recognize me when you see the nail-pierced hands. So he walks into Thomas. He said, Thomas, you can't see me because of your pain. And when Thomas looks at him, and Jesus is like, no, 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 you're going you're gonna to do exactly what you said. You're going to put your fingers here, and you're going to look in here, and you're going you're gonna to do all that. But, but Lord, you are my God. And he says, yeah, I'm your God. And there's so much about me that you have not yet realized. Why does this excite me so much? Because the Bible was written by like... I don't, I forget how many off the top of my head authors, but over a 1600 year period, people say, oh, it's fake and it's, it, it, it's, it's manipulated. And no, 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 it's not possible that it all tie together like that if it's not true. And all the way back in Exodus. So the question is, how do you see him? How do you see him? Oh, I feel Jesus. I just want to preach, but I think maybe we ought to worship for a moment. Could you join me in worship the nail? See, see, that's when you when you realize, well, but I'm hurting, I'm hungry. No, no, no. Nail pierced. So, see, what did that say? Write your name on my heart. Do you know where his name is written? I mean, your name is written in his hand. And I believe he might have written it with a nail. So why don't we worship him for just a moment in the beauty of who he is. Come on, lead us in something, Pastor Aaron.
If your presence is fire In spite of your struggles Let it fall on me In spite of the sins of your life If you're looking for surrender He deserves your worship He deserves your praise Make my life the offering Write yours on my heart. I belong to you. Write your name on my heart. If your presence is fire Jesus let it fall on me if you're looking for surrender Holy Ghost make my life the offering write your name on my Worship in whatever way you want to, but while I'm talking to you, I want to ask you a couple, two questions. And I'm asking you today, I don't know why I feel like I need to share this, but the last time that we, or with the time we were ushered into the Capitol, we were ushered in through the ambassador's doors, marked as ambassadors of a kingdom. I stand here today before you as ambassador of the nail-pierced hands. And with every head bowed and every eye closed and everyone praying, I want to ask you an honest question. Have you been living in a way that brings honor to the nail-pierced hands? Or are there some areas of your life that you need to repent of because they are not honoring to the one who stretched out his hands to die for you? If that's you, if you'd say, Pastor, there's some areas in my life that are not honoring to God and I want to repent right now. I want to see your hand. Get it up in the air fast, 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 fast. That's literally 90% of this congregation's hand in the air. Yes. Oh, God, give us clean hands. Give us clean hands. Oh, God, give us pure hearts. Let us not turn aside to Cast us not away from thy presence, O oh God, but restore within us a right spirit. Let us honor the King because God got up from his throne, put on flesh, and was pierced for us. Lord, put those hands down for a moment. I'm going to pray for you more specifically in just a moment, but I want to ask another question today. Some present, some watching. But there are people in this room and there are people watching and people listening to me right now. That your life 
belongs to you. You've held it in your hands and it's slipping through your hands like sand. You can't hold it together. But today, I want to invite you to put your heart, your soul, your life, your hope into nail-pierced hands. I want to invite you to live for the honor of nail-pierced hands. Would you be willing to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ? Some of you are going, well, Pastor, I prayed a prayer as a child, but he's not been Lord of your life. Today's the day. Quickly, quickly, I'm casting the net right now. If you're in this place, you say, I either want to give my life or rededicate my life to those nail-pierced hands to Jesus Christ. I want to see your hand right where you are. Put it up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put those down. Hands all over this place. Holy Ghost. The Bible says that as we confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that the, the one who was pierced for us is Lord of our life, and that God caused him to raise from the dead, that we would be eternally and gloriously changed from the brokenness that we have. In other words, what we're going to do is take it from our hands and put it in his hands, and he becomes our Savior. I want every voice that's watching, every voice that's listening, I want every voice that's present, I want you to lift your voices with us now as we collectively pray with these, I don't even know how many have just responded, but there have been an unbelievable amount of people, but right now, who would say with me, we're going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives. I want every voice to lift now, quickly now. Jesus, by faith, I confess, I am a sinner. I have held my life in my own hands, and now I surrender to you. May what you bought for me when you were nailed to a cross wash me clean. I believe you are risen from the dead, and now you live forevermore. And now by faith, I receive your grace, and now I declare God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for what you've done in this house today. I thank you, Lord, that hands that came in stained with sin are now washed clean, and we will live our lives in honor of nail-pierced hands. And now we give you glory and honor and praise. Would you give those nail-pierced hands a praise like they deserve? Amen. Come on, lift up. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.